Welcome to another episode of the Unveiling Grace podcast. We are ex-Mormon Christians united for Jesus. Find us at unveilingmormonism.com. My name is Lynn Wilder. And I'm Michael Wilder. And I'm just basically here to make sure nobody makes any errors. So I will not speak a whole lot. Uh, but uh, if anybody makes an error, I will speak up as the producer. Okay? So... <laughs> That's a joke. Okay, let's move on. <laughs> All right. We have with us today Brad Steckelberg. Um, Mike and I had the privilege of meeting Brad under some kind of supernatural circumstances last September. Um, every person that God brings into our lives who have a similar background to us then become family. And Brad is kind of like a son to us. Um, we are really excited to hear his story. He has some unique parts to his story, and he's fairly new out of performance-based religion. And um, Brad, welcome. Thank you. It's it's really great to be here. I've uh, been looking forward to it for some time. Brad was actually with us last September when we were taping a podcast episode. Um, so funny that he would several months later actually be on. Um, tell us a little bit about your upbringing. Um, did you grow up LDS? I um. No, I, I uh, <clears throat> didn't hear about LDS till later in life. I was um, born into a Catholic family. My uh, grandparents and great grandparents were Catholic, and uh, the um, and my mom and um, and she was a single mom, and uh, so I grew up with her. And <clears throat> some of my favorite memories from back in those days were when she would play the guitar and uh she played in the balcony um of the catholic church during services and um she and one other guitar player and myself would would be up there in the balcony during the entire service and so i really enjoyed those years and and um i did i was um in the church in the catholic church through um probably the third grade third or fourth grade right during the time where um young children would go to catechism and go to what they call first communion um i never did continue the catechism i never did get to confirmation in the catholic church but i was baptized and i was um and i went through the the first communion um in the church so why was that, Brad? What happened? At age eight or nine, that's um, we were living in housing. Um, it was government housing, so there were a lot of families with children. And um, our next-door neighbor was having a Bible uh, club for children in their backyard. And I was invited to come to this thing um, for one week. And at the Bible club, they would teach, of course, Bible stories. And then they would also, I really got into the missionary stories. Um, 
they were teaching about John Patton, uh, who was a missionary in the New Hebrides Islands back in the uh, late 1800s, I believe. And um, they would end each day with a cliffhanger. So you'd have to come back the next day to find out what happened to John Patton and and his uh, missionary gang that was out there. So I kept coming back, but I heard the Bible stories every day. And um, they would share the stories in a way where they would weave in gospel truths into each story. And every day they would give an invitation for children to accept Jesus into their lives. And um, and then they would, um, anyone who wanted to accept that invitation would go off to the side and talk to one of the storytellers. And uh, one of the days, um, I want to say it was the last day, Friday, I uh, raised my hand and I went over to the side and the storyteller um, had me and I think one other um, kid was there. And um, she shared something called a wordless book with us. And uh, if you're not familiar with that tool of evangelism, it's something that um, uh, was introduced back in the 1800s um, by Charles Spurgeon. And originally it had three colors and it's grown to five or six colors now. And um, each color each page is a different color, but there's no words. And that's why they call it the wordless book. <laughs> and um, it starts out with um, a gold page because in Revelations, it talks about how there's a, a street in heaven that's made of pure gold. And um, they told me um, that God lives in heaven and that um, heaven is a perfect place and that there would be no no death or sadness or crying, and he would wipe away all our tears, and um, and <clears throat> that uh, it was because it was perfect and because God was perfect, there couldn't there couldn't be any any sin any any sin, um, and that was the next page was the dark page, with it, um, which talked about the darkness of sin, that um, and in the scriptures they would go through and they had a Bible with them and they opened up to Romans 3.23 and said, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and and uh, explained that that was everybody um, and that there are sins that we, we do in thought, word, and deed. And because of our sin, it separates us from God that um, they shared Romans 6.23 that said the, the wages of sin is death. And um, and what that means for us is that we can't be in the glorious presence of God if we have sin in our heart. But the problem was is that everyone has sin in their heart. <laughs> and so they went on to the red page and the red page was all about the blood of Jesus Christ and um, talked about his sacrifice on the cross was um, was something that was needed in order to um, heal that relationship between us and God. It Because Jesus was perfect, he was the one who could pay the penalty for my sin. And um, I don't have to worry about that separation between me and God if I accept 
that um, that Jesus uh, died on the cross and that the good news was is that he didn't stay dead. He rose again. And, and as a little Catholic boy at that point, um, when I when I kept hearing them talk about Jesus um, being raised from the dead in our daily Bible stories, that was different for me. I, uh, I knew about Jesus and I knew about his sacrifice and I had heard in catechism all about him being um, crucified. And we had crucifixes in our home and in my grandparents' home, but they all still had Jesus on the cross. And, um, and in this class, I or in this this club, I was able to hear the good news that he didn't stay dead, that he rose from the dead, that God raised him from the dead, and now he is preparing a place for anyone who believes in him. And they moved on to the clean page, which is the opposite of the dark page, and said that our our hearts can be washed and be made clean, purer than snow, and um that it's not a difficult process. First John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And then we get to someday see that street of gold back to the gold page. And um, and we become a child of God. John 1, 12 says that we become um, a child in his family and that uh, we gain eternal life. And John 3.16 says, because of, of his only begotten son and because of the love that, that God has for us, he gives us the opportunity to have that, to receive that gift of eternal life. Yeah. So during that time, I did pray with the storyteller, you know, and these storytellers were just teenagers um, that were doing this in the summer. And, and um, during the same time, Right around that same time, we had a um, uh, a neighbor that was a pastor and pastor's wife, and she came over to visit my mom when I was out. Um, I might have been at that club. I might have been playing. But she shared with my mom the same message from the Bible and um, asked my mom if she would um, consider um praying the same prayer basically. And, um, and my mom accepted that, you know, and didn't think she didn't think much of it at the time. Um, she had some, some errands to run. So she had, she was a, a, a longtime smoker and she had put down her cigarettes on the coffee table and, um, and then she went out and did her, her errands. And she says that, or she said that she realized a few weeks later that those cigarettes were still on the coffee table. Um, God had just delivered her. She didn't ask necessarily to be delivered. She had tried quitting smoking in the past, but this, uh, you know, was one of those things that uh, was something that she saw as a miracle and and that um, that God had, had just delivered her from this um, addictive uh, thing you know it's the cigarettes are just as addictive as heroin and so it's uh it's it's pretty amazing to see to know that um he would just do this for her you know and wow. so yeah so we were then on a journey of like we'd go to the catholic church in the morning and then we'd go to another church in the evenings and and we did that for a while oh that's that is just amazing because what's so interesting 
Brad, you just gave the gospel in basically nine minutes. And that's mm-hmm. it. <laughs> you you just did a great job. Every non-believer, every Latter-day Saint out there, every uh, Christian who's involved in any kind of performance space should just listen to that. So uh, maybe maybe we should just call you Pastor Brad at this point, you know. So uh, I mean, it's just I just loved hearing it. I mean, it just it just flowed out. It was just so so beautiful. And you know, the fact is, when you were talking about the cross, and you know, Christians wear a cross. You know, here's my cross. If we can get a zoom in on this, okay. So you can see my cross, but there's no Jesus on there. There's just a cross, okay. He was on the cross. He came down from the cross. He was, you know, buried three days and three nights and and in the ground and and rose again on the third day. And he's no longer here. He's there. He's up there. And so that's the good news. Okay. Um, And so a lot of people get confused about, especially in in Mormonism or other things, about the purpose of the cross. And as you know, uh, you know, Mormons don't accept the cross. At least when we were in the LDS church, it was a taboo to wear a cross. And they always said that the atonement happened in the garden. Now they're trying to say, well, the atonement started in the garden and was finished on the cross, but they still don't, you know, the cross was just a means of death. Uh, But that was so neat to hear all those words uh, because when you see a cross with a crucifix on it, with Christ still there, to me, it, that's not the case. He is not still there. He's off that cross. And that this cross is a symbol to us, what he can do for us to raise us from the dead. Yeah, Brad. So you and mom were doing Catholic and evangelical for a while. What what happened? Well, um, I had, I've heard a pastor mention this in the past, so I stole it, that he says that he was a Methobacterianist. Uh, <laughs> we, we, we hopped around a little while to, to um, many different um, ch- types of, of Christian churches, and we ended up landing in, in a church that, um, that my mom felt very comfortable in, and uh, it took me a little while, but I, I, I felt comfortable in um, when I got to know like the kids in the youth group and, and everything. And um, when I, when we were going to that church, we were, I was invited to um, take my summer and go teach these same neighborhood Bible clubs to children through yeah. that same organization. And um, so I uh, was excited and I was known. And so I was, I was uh, just turning 14 when, when this invitation came around and I was already becoming known at school as that really religious guy, <laughs> you know, people like, uh, don't ask Brad too many questions because he's going to try to convert you. And, um, and uh, so, you know, it's a, uh, it was a, a pretty, um, you know, in my heart, I, I really wanted, I always said that I wanted to be, uh, when I grew up, I wanted to be a singing missionary. And, um, you know, everything in me was about the gospel, is was about that message. Now, I will say that um, I didn't get a whole lot beyond those points, which I mean, um, 
it is the the best story that's out there for us. You know, it is the redemption story. Um, but I didn't have a lot of tools on how to get through the hard times necessarily. I mean, some of this, these other things that are also important in, in life and how do I trust God in, in hard times and, and um, how do I, you know, keep my heart um, guarded against the adversary and, and things like that. So um, I feel like, you know, I had this, this wonderful gift and I wanted to share this story. And so I, I learned how to do it with this, um, this group of people that taught children. And um, so I went, I decided to go to this. um, It was a 10 day long camp. And then after you're done, they would take you through the summer and, and uh, send you out to different communities. And then you would teach the stories. And I, my first year I would be a missionary teacher. So I got to teach the story of John Patton in the New Hebrides Islands and other other um, uh, missionaries from the past, uh, and uh, and so I went to this this camp, um, and, and there were people from all sorts of denominations that were were part of this, and and uh, we were in a situation where it was an old um, it was an old college campus, and so we were. Um, in we were assigned a roommate and um and then throughout the 10 days that was where we would live and then we'd have all all, all the other classes were out there for our uh, our our learning and how to teach and and they had some some stuff about doctrine and whatnot um and uh unfortunately during this time you know there wasn't a lot of safeguards against things that that exist now there's a lot more safeguards nowadays i think when it comes to um putting teenagers together and um and uh and having more of a uh protection ad- adults that are there in a protective mode for for um teenagers children you know that come together oh. and so it was during this time that um the roommate that i had was uh, a few years older than me and um and he was troubled in his own ways but he um he he assaulted me um during that time that we were together several times and it it really broke something within me um and uh, i didn't have language for it i didn't know why this was happening what what was even happening really um and uh and i i left that place um and I, I kind of put that on to the side, um, like what happened in that room. But um, because I was so, um, I really wanted to do the the teaching and the and 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 I and I did enjoy it very much of teaching and stuff. But I I had put the uh, what had happened in that room to the side for a few years. Um, so you didn't tell anybody then. No, I did not. I didn't tell anyone until I was in college. Um, and, and then it was, um, it was a professor and I was given like a little um, affirmation card to read. And, uh, you know, he says, well, it sounds like you've dealt with this and, you know, good luck and, you know, just keep praying. And, 
<laughs> that was about all the counseling I ever really got um, until later in life um, about any of that. But yet I do feel like something within me was uh, was broken during that time, and I didn't have the tools really to deal with what had happened or to even, you know, have um, solid answers of, um, you know, where is God? And, you know, why, why did this happen and everything? And um, so I would go really kind of back and forth between knowing that he's real, because I mean, I saw what happened with my mom. I -hmm. did have a, a change of heart in my own heart when I, um, when I was saved. So I knew he was real, but then on the, the flip side, flip side, I would wonder if he was real because all these terrible things um, in, in the world happen. And some of them are very personal because they happen to me, you know? And um, I really, I really flipped back and forth. And then I would hear people in my denomination with a, um, a perception of the gospel that I don't know is if it was necessarily held by the denomination, but the way that I heard it was a more performative thing, more like, um, yeah, there's grace that's there. And um, we believe that what Jesus did was um, so that we can enter his presence. But then if you sin after you're saved, you better watch out <laughs> so because you might lose that salvation, you know? And so I was really struggling with that because, you know, I had some people in my life that said, oh, no, you can never lose that salvation. It's there, you know, Jesus is in you and and you, you know, but then, then he had this other camp that was like, oh, no, 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 you know, you better watch out and stuff. So I, I really kind of vacillated between those um, even into my first couple of years of going to a Christian college. Um because I had friends, I you know some of my friends from my Christian college are are pastors today, and and uh, some of them kind of were in one camp, and some of them kind of were in the other camp, you know, and yeah. and um, it was hard for me to hear cerebral arguments about this because it was such a um, a heart level thing that I really needed to know for myself, yeah. and um, so yeah, so that. Well, is kind of the the beginning of me having issues with Christianity in general anyways. So let's camp there for a minute because we're a podcast that deals with doctrinal issues. We are of the stance that no one can snatch you out of his hands once you are saved um, that would be the stance of our ex-Mormon Christians United for Jesus ministry. And I would say the majority of Christians, right? Because um, this, this is a doctrinal issue that people struggle with. Um, some people would explain, well, if you're going to sin after you're saved, maybe you weren't saved in the first place. But when true salvation happens, you're never going to be unsaved, right? It's not that you're not going to struggle with sin. We do every one of us every day. And that needs to be authentically talked about in the Christian world. 
We are down to about three minutes. So how, where do you want to go here to kind of tie up this particular subject, Brad? Well, there's a scripture that I had read in the last few months that I think really applies to this. Um, I've been studying Acts and in Acts 13, verse 39, it says, and by him, um, by Jesus, uh, everyone who believes is freed um, mm. from everything from which you could not be freed by the law of Moses. And um, that speaks to me so much just because of my past um, with that kind of um, struggle. And then also because of um, the feelings I had when I was LDS, um, strong in the LDS church too. So I, I believe that the scripture speaks for itself and doesn't return void. And I believe that that is true, that we are freed if we believe in Jesus and we take him at his word and what his sacrifice was, we're freed from the law of Moses. He has freed us. Amen. So you were freed as a child. Mm -hmm. And yet still eventually went into the LDS faith. And that's not an unusual story, right? Mike and I grew up in the Christian faith as well and stepped into Mormonism. Yeah, you know, that concept of being saved and then saying, well, you know, you have to be careful with your sin because if you sin, you could lose the grace from Jesus. That is a false doctrine. That's an evil doctrine. Because if that's a true concept, that if you sin after you're saved, there is not one saved person because everybody sins every day. Driving down the highway, you're going to sin. You know, it's this part of human nature. And that's why, you know, we we can't save ourselves. That's why God, we, you know, man sinned against God. And therefore, it was God, only God himself that could save man. And when he did this, he did it by his grace through Christ on, on the cross. And that we believe in that. We can't believe that our works are going to save us. Paul states that over and over and over again. We will continue to sin. So, uh, Lynn, I'll, we'll pick it up from there. This is a good setup, right, for part two. I love that Brad's being so authentic um, because I know there are several struggles that we can talk about that are very real. Um, grace and peace to you, my friends, until part two.